Let me be perfectly clear This world is perfectly queer You know that we're perfectly natural It's not a mistake, it's not a choice that we make It's just that we're perfectly natural Hello and welcome to Perfectly Natural, a very queer podcast about queer behaviour in the animal kingdom. I'm Aim Phoenix, I'm a writer and enthusiast. And I'm M. Dale and I am a PhD student at the University of Oxford studying uh, animals. Wow, how vague. I study mice and animal population dynamics. Cool. All right, so it is a bloody miserable day it is in Oxford. Yeah. How are you doing today? I'm all right. I'm excited because today we're talking about an animal from my home. <gasps> You live with one? In your basement? <laughs> my basement Why are you flat. keeping animals in your basement? <laughs> oh, no, just, I mean, mostly I've got, like, microorganisms growing on dirty plates on my floor, but, uh, like, every You're good graduate. very student. authentic PhD <laughs> lifestyle. I feel like there's a time in everyone's life where you do that. And been there. It's always been my life. Um, my third-year housemates still make fun of me. Years have passed. They remember the chocolate hot chocolate mug. <laughs> oh god, that never got washed up. It was awful. Oh, mine That's is my bad. I mean, mine is just my, mostly my plates are just um, pesto pasta, which is literally all I eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I love pesto pasta. I do, but it's a lot. To... I couldn't have it every meal. Yeah, I mean, it's just very cheap, and because Tesco does the uh, free free from yes, pesto, it's so which is good. so good. It's like better than normal pesto. It is. And, uh, don't remember what, what normal pesto was anymore. Life hack. Yeah. Just caramelise some, some onions oh. and garlic and throw them in the pesto pasta. It's immediately fancier. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did, I went super to, easy. I went to Marks and Spencer to buy some lettuce for my rabbit. And uh, I also got some fancy uh, vegan cheese and I've been having that in there. But it's they very expensive. They have vegan cheese. At, um, oh, so oh yeah, of course they do. It's like a bajillion dollars. But I was like, well, you know, treat myself. It's my birthday week. Which um, it won't be when this comes out, <laughs> but it was at the time of recording. <laughs> Uh, I recently discovered the vegan supermarket online and I spent hours oh, looking at all of the things yeah. that I can't afford. I know. And I did buy two of their beauty boxes and some mug cakes. Oh, hell yeah. So I'm doing National Novel Writing Month. Oh, this gosh. month, when this comes out, send me support. Oh. But I've, I've got the little boxes as every 5K words I write. I'm wrapping oh, up a little present for myself so, nice. so I can open it and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can do something that's not writing for a second. Oh, that's a good one. I'm writing my PhD. I'm going to remember. Yeah, that. it's just like... Get, wrap it up and for each word count or set protection yeah. goal you hit yeah. you get a present that's so nice yeah love yourself I need to treat myself more or less I don't know either more or less I'm not sure which one it is um, <laughs> I, the, the best vegan product I ever bought was uh, from Aldi when they had their vegan They have, every year they have like a vegan wave a it's product incredible. wave it's incredible it comes every now and then and you never yeah. expect it yeah it's just like there you like walk through the top and you're like wow but they had vegan hollandaise sauce it's that's so something that good. I need in my life. It's so good. Like it's better than anything I've ever eaten ever. I think maybe. like we probably both need to say we're both aspiring aspiring vegans. vegans. I'm not an actual vegan. I'm I'm getting there. Yeah. I am very rapidly yeah. leaping towards veganism. Good. Incredible. Yeah. But yeah. It's not. It's expensive. Yeah. I mean, so I'm, I'm learning how to do it cheaply because it's yeah. super possible. I just yeah. haven't done it. I think I'm an accidental vegan mostly because I. Uh, 
eat just pesto pasta, which has the Tesco's free from pesto in it. So, I mean, it's a conscious choice, but only because one, it's cheaper, two, it tastes great. There's no difference. So, I mean, it's like a lazy, I'm a lazy vegan. I'm going to get you some vegan chocolate. Oh, that'll be nice. I do I'll like dark you. chocolate. There's some, I can't remember the name of the, re- there's some really good stuff that I've eaten and I'll hunt it down. Amazing. And great. bring it to you and good. make your day better. I love that. That's so nice. Thank You're you. so welcome. Do you know what else is so nice? What? Turbo chips. Turbo chips. <laughs> what I think is really great about them, knowing fuck all about them, yeah. is their name. Well, their actual name is Tasmanian Native Hen. Um, and yeah. I can't really pronounce their scientific name. It's Tribonics Morterii. One second. I, I, took, I didn't take three years of Latin class for nothing. Wait, it's here. Ooh, hello. Yeah, that's the old name. I just... Ooh, Tribonics um, Morterii. Moteri. Moterii. Moterii, yeah. Two eyes is like an eye. I'm Moterii. Moterii! That's the only thing I know about. Is that the nice one, mate? Yeah. But I think it's quite, it's quite poignant because uh, accidentally I went and saw Hannah Gatsby yesterday. And she's what, from did you my not hometown. mean to? Did you just like walk <laughs> down the street and then you're like, oh, hi, Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> what, the other of seeing you here? I wish. I had a woman crush on her. But, um... Or just a crush. Just a crush. Because we're both Tasmanian and both from uh, smaller towns in Tassie, it, uh, it was quite uh, a bit of sweet uh, seeing her here in Oxford because, I don't know, I don't... I think uh, having two Tasmanians in a room, especially from like small towns in Tasmania, is quite a rare thing in England. And then, <laughs> then we were both together in a very big room and we don't know each other, but I was like, I know you because we're from... But she doesn't know who I am, whatever. But... <laughs> Maybe she will. I did email her this morning on her fan mail account, being like, Aww. "I just like her this morning to email her and be like, that really touched me." And I maybe haven't if you've not seen Nanette. Uh, it's on Netflix. I haven't actually watched Nanette. You yet. should. I've got that waiting for oh me. Oh my gosh, Nanette changed my life many times over. But actually, when she was in Josh Thomas's Please Like Me, which is like I've a seen that either. Josh Thomas is another comedian from Australia. I think he's also queer. I'm pretty sure he's gay. Well, he's gay in the show. I'm pretty sure he's gay in real life. I should know this. Anyway, he did. anyway, um, and she's in that. And when I watch that, it really... I don't want to ruin Please Like Me. That's another gem that you should watch. I'm so glad there's so much media <laughs> in this world. But she... Uh, I'm going to angle she, my microphone because I keep looking at you. Okay. So I'm just gonna... Yeah. <laughs> she plays a character in a sectioned hospital or like a oh, mental interesting. hospital. Interesting. And she... Mental hospital is the wrong word. I'm sorry. I don't know what the right word is. There's a character in a... Mental health oh. hospital? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, psychiatric hospital. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, it's quite... Uh, an emotive show and her character is really I just I think her character really normalised those institutions for me and because um, I've been in one before and I was quite ashamed of it and uh, for her to for a whole show a very popular show actually, to be centred around that it just really was really powerful I think whatever character she plays and whatever she does she makes really good use of the platform she has so like last night it's a, a show called Douglas about one of her dogs well it's not about one of her dogs but it's it's like named after one of her dogs mm. and uh, starts off quite funny and like talks she talks about why uh, she called it Douglas and then she goes on to just basically pierce the patriarchy and and then like yes, yes. and goes yes. through like uh, she talks about classic like classical um old school men and uh, the role they played in history and 
how weird it is. But she based like she went into that kind of tangent based on the Ninja Turtles because I don't remember what she <laughs> talked about, but it's like Michelangelo, Donatino, no, Michelangelo, Leonardo, Da Vinci, no. no. Leonardo thingamajig are like from one era and don't tell her like way dead by then and I think she like talks about like it makes no sense anyway, it was really funny <laughs> that's so the thing that doesn't make I sense really, about the yeah, yeah, I, don't, I don't really want to talk about if you want to go see Douglas as she's still playing oh she won't be by now but when this comes out if you're in like America or Australia when the inevitable next Netflix yeah I'm sure Douglas will come out on Netflix actually I'm actually I'm 100% I think she mentioned it's going to be so do watch it if you get a chance and Nanette can I just take a moment to appreciate Netflix's comedy stand-up. Yeah, like giving yeah, platforms for stand-up yeah. in that way is great. I know, it's great. Yeah. I know, it's wonderful. Um, anyway, it's, it's, it's been quite bizarre for me to watch someone from a small town in Tasmania blow up on an international scale. Like, she's always been very popular in Australia. Mm. But now for her to be like internationally known it's kind it's like it's it's weird in a in a nice way because uh when i say people are from tasmania people will be like you mean tanzania i'm like no tasmania but really, really? she's put tasmania on the map oh, all the time wow. all the time oh my god <laughs> but uh everyone knows what tasmania is now and it's quite nice so every you say tasmania and people are like yeah um but yeah so anyway turbo chooks turbo so- chooks <laughs> Will I be able to get through this episode without, like, singing? Is there a song about Turbo Chooks? Write one. We could write one. Well, if you write one, I want you to have this in the background. This is how they vocalise. This is one of their many vocalisations. The only one I remember... When I used to be a park ranger, we I, I was working in Mountfield National Park. It's a park ranger <laughs> animal. <laughs> Our little houses in the national park were, like... So Tasmanian native hens, they live in grasslands, basically, and they build their nests in, like, long grass... And so where we were was an old old farmyard, and uh, so there's lots of like turbo trucks running around. And in the morning, you'd hear them making this quite like risque sound. I didn't really know what they were before I moved there because uh, there wasn't a lot of turbo trucks where I was from, even in Tasmania. But in this area, there's heaps of them. And every morning you'd wake up around 3 a.m. to a turbo truck outside your window going. <laughs> And it was sounding like a creaky bed, and I was like, like someone, ha- someone having sex in the nearby ranger sh- like shed. It's like, well, whatever. I can, you know, they, <laughs> they do them. But <clears throat> anyway, that's if you do make a song, I want you to use that soundbite. That, that underlying like, cushion. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 how, yeah. How do you do it again? What, what were you doing? <laughs> yeah, it's there like we go. Really that hard in but I thought not often do we talk have we talked about like natural history of an animal and I think people might not know what, what a native hen is tell me a native hen no I have no idea so I'll give you a bit of background on them they're like moorhens you know what a moorhen is I know what a moorhen they terrify me yeah I'm I mean, not a fan of moorhens so turbo chooks like bigger moorhens okay. they're in the, the kind of genus genus not a genus but the group of birds called rails which are flightless birds um, like and, penguins like penguins uh, penguins and, must be like the spokesperson for so many things I know they are but uh, so they became they used to be on the mainland of Australia mm-hmm. so uh, here's a little Tasmanian anecdote for you we call the the big the big island or north of us the mainland uh, and then smaller islands of Tasmania called Tasmania the mainland it's like little mainland hopping the smaller the island you on the bigger the other small island is and then the big island the big north island is the mainland the mainland mainland the meta mainland <laughs> but they used to be there like uh, they used to be there like the Tasmanian tiger used to be on the mainland and so did the Tasmanian devil but when dingoes arrived 
around 4,000-ish, 5,000-ish years ago from uh, the Torres Strait and New Guinea, uh, a lot of animals became extinct and then became isolated to Tasmania. And so now, you know, Tasmanians are quite proud of our native species. Because they didn't get killed by dingoes. Basically, yeah. (laughs) That's really interesting because I know we talk a lot about, like, species extinction today. yeah. I've never considered the history of it and the amount of extinct animals that would happen for For, non-human reasons. So dingoes were brought over by humans, uh, will we assume. But like, yeah, so they were brought over by humans, but it wasn't a human-induced extinction. It was by like a... So all most of our... Because in Australia most of our animals are marsupials and not placental mammals. So we're placental mammals. We have a, you know, we give birth to live young and they don't go into that pouch phase that marsupials have. Mm. Um, they're a bit more, I mean, there's like, there must be some kind of physiological reason that placental mammals are a bit more agile and a bit better at what they do. Uh, and so when they, when placental mammals first came over, so that was the dingo. And then later when the Europeans arrived, it was domestic cats, domestic dogs, etc., etc. They really outcompeted the native marsupials and because there wasn't a lot of like competition not a lot of like predation like our main predators were awesome like the saber tooth my god what's it called like a saber tooth we had like a saber tooth something in australia and we had like yeah saber tooth tiger australia so we had a big saber tooth cat uh, in Australia, like that was like it was like a, a fossil. Like it was like oh, we called it the marsupial lion. <laughs> in the uh, so it's oh, that's really cool. Yeah, look like this, like a crazy Tasmanian devil. Okay, yeah. so what I'm seeing, um, I can describe, dear listener. A it looks like it's a cartoon animal, probably because of the way that it's yeah been rendered. It has the ears of a mouse. Yeah, the snout of a rabbit. Yeah, the mouth of a tiger. And it looks kind of like a lion wombat. Yeah, like a lion wombat. I guess wombat sort of makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got a long, stripy tail like a Tasmanian tiger. Mm. And like a spotted bum like a quoll. Which is, I mean, that's probably not what it really looks like because we can't really tell. But um, anyway, so we had those kind of predators. Then we had the Tasmanian tiger and the devil on the mainland as well. Um, So a lot of our birds, our native birds, especially like the bigger bodied ones, are ground birds. Okay. So we have a lot of like... um, beautiful flight like fl- like flighted Flightless. birds oh, flighted, uh, yes um but we do have a, quite a few ground birds so this, and the and the tasmanian native hen is one of them um but just because they cannot fly does not mean that they're not great animals they uh can run up to 50 kilometers an hour which is like what that's like 30 miles kilometers. an hour yeah and they can swim really well as well which is crazy so they could can they ride a bike would they be able to do a triathlon Oh, good point. No, probably not. Okay. They've got they've got little legs, little funny legs. Well, they've got quite big legs for how big their body is. If, if you put them on a bike, they might use it. I just see a, a paper recently published on the BBC. One of my friends from work told me about it. It was like talking about those like Brexit articles and like <sighs> and like really like heavy hitting stuff. And then one of the articles at the bottom was like little rat, rats like to, are less stressed when they ride little cars. And I was like, that's quality news reporting. It's what I want to see on my Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> Rats are less stressed than little cars. The little rats and little cars. <laughs> brum, brum. Um, but they are going back to like Tassie. Mm-hmm. They are one of our twelve endemic species of Tasmanian birds, which means that they're only found in Tasmania now. Um, and 
I hopefully we can have the chance to talk about more Tasmanian animals because it's quite an interesting landscape. Um, yeah, so anyway, that's a bit of a natural history for the Tasmanian native hen. Uh, and they're very exciting. And also, apparently, I didn't know this until like basically like a few weeks ago, they also are gay. Well, they say it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm also a gay Tasmanian, so maybe I should get like a Tasmanian native hen tattoo because they're. Uh, that could be a pin badge. Oh, we should make pin badges. We should we absolutely take... make pin badges. In the first episode, we were going to make a bonobo one saying like smash the patriarchy. We can like, we should take we a record a of these. We should yeah. have a series. We should have a series when we get more than 30 subscribers on SoundCloud. Hey, we have 50 oh, no. listens on episode one. I know! That's crazy! <laughs> <is> really cool. <laughs> Actually, I want to shout out to my mate Ahmed, who would listen to every episode and listens to this when he does his lab work work in um at ucl in london thanks for being like our number one fan ahmed you're so great <laughs> amazing um can i shout out to a listener yeah as well? i know ellie has been listening oh. i'm enjoying it thank you for being the best person oh just so look lovely that. and supportive <laughs> and small oh that's nice I really, i've been really appreciating people's feedback actually yeah it's been fantastic just seeing yeah. people say wow this is an amazing idea this is the sort of yeah. podcast i listen to yeah yeah i totally like it actually i i got a bit disheartened because when we did the hyena episode which was i guess two episodes ago now mm. i went on a bit of a twitter trawl of like hyena things and i found this person who also really likes as many in tigers and she's really cool um but uh definitely was a bit um anti like people talking about hyenas being this really cool like feminist icon and i was like you know what they don't care what does a hyena care if we want to make them like a like an effigy also just like knowing about that is really cool and yeah. having a platform accessible platform yeah. to share yeah. really cool facts about things i also want to say that it wasn't like a hate on that person i'm not going to name them but they are really cool uh, I just thought it was quite interesting. I think it's like a, there's a puritism still in science, which I guess has to be has to be that for science to remain going forward in mm. some way. But I think, you know, I think it takes both like pure pure scientists who look at things in a very pure. This is what is happening. This means this in a very non-human way, and then people who like. I don't know, make a podcast about it. Make, make it engaging <laughs> for other people to listen to. So. Accessibility and outreach. Yeah, that's it. Um, sidebar on this sidebar, if you've been enjoying this podcast, please rate, review, and recommend us to people you think would enjoy it. Yeah, that's a good idea because yeah. it's it's fun. We love doing this. It's really fun. So it's actually... It's, it's, I was looking forward to this all day. I'm and looking forward to this all week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the other day, I was at work... Someone to get phlegmy lungs from when I smoke too much. And I uh, was sitting in the tea room and someone was having a bit of a hard day and they were having a sad time. And then I was talking to some mates and we were going to be quite quiet, but like laughing. And then I had this sudden urge to phlegm out a thing. So I coughed and it came out and I was like, I ain't swallowing this. And so I phlegmed into a bin. <laughs> Would you like me to leave that in the podcast? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it humanizes us. <laughs> it takes us down from this godlike pedestal we built for ourselves. Yeah. Please yeah. tell me how turbo trucks are gay. <laughs> okay, so firstly, I would need to preface this all with how how they behave and what they their kind of grouping structure. Mm-hmm. So, like, let me just think. Like every animal we talked about, maybe every animal we talk we will we will talk about. I'm not really sure, but they are very social animals, and they live into in groups about from about like four to like fourteen or okay, uh, mostly like two to five though. They mostly live in like a two to five social group. So like most shared house structures. Yeah. So yeah, they live in like a 
Yeah, they don't live in basement flats though, are they? They live in grassy lands. Better. Yeah, yeah, way better. There's yeah. no fucking shared kitchen. There's just like, <laughs> it's just, uh, what is it? It's just like a communal living space in a field, which is, you know, a bit culty really, isn't it? I, I'm here for the queer commune in maybe, the farmhouse. Maybe so. all animals are in a cult. There's a debate topic for you. Are all animals in a cult? <laughs> Tell us on Twitter. <laughs> Hashtag cults. Uh, don't hashtag cults. Um, but they have this really interesting system where the young birds, so they'll give birth to, they have one breeding season a year, or if it's like a really good food season, they might have two broods, we call them, or two... Brooding seasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then basically from those broods, or from those from those eggs uh, basically for a year or up to two years the young birds will stay with their natal group their family group where they're born and help raise the younger chicks um, which is actually quite common in birds um, I know fairy wrens do it as well fairy wrens just have the best names I know they're so cute they're so cute and also I mean I think I talked about fairy wrens before but I think we should do an episode on them they're not I'm not sure if they they probably have like homosexual behaviour but they also are just really interesting and uh, were a really interesting species that was looked at when they people first saw all birds were monogamous and they used the fairy wrens as an example of like why wow, they're so monogamous and then someone actually looked at them deeper and they're like, actually they're not monogamous at all in fact they're very not monogamous and then that opened up a whole new field of research of like different mating systems and different like living situations with birds and the native hen is also a really interesting example of that they're called there's a really interesting here they're called they're monogamous uh, in a polygonous polygonous social system polygonous 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 polyamorous is different there's like mono- monogamy polygony polyandry and polygyandry is what they exhibit do you know what those are i know what the first two are actually well so we can go into that so basically they live in these like they, we, so there's like they're described as monogamous in a polygonous social system what and does that mean that means <laughs> so uh once they're about two years old these little the little chicks who've stayed behind to help raise their young they're now like the the young of their parents they then are booted out to find their own territory and they're very fiercely territorial they have a, a group will have a territory about a couple hectares like four or five hectares which is massive it's the size of white and woods here in oxford um awesome huge yeah. yeah uh and so when they get a bit older they move into a different group and but what was interesting when they move into a different group is they don't often actually stay they don't actually automatically become breeders um they actually become auxiliary members of a new clan or a new like social system uh until they kind of work their way up into being a breeding individual and so they'll then in their new group kind of like uh like just like be helpers basically they're the type of okay. helpers um interns yeah and so that's kind of and that, that's how they then they find their new groups and that kind of cycle comes like you know goes over and over and over again interesting um i wanted to talk about quickly if we talk well i can talk about like the different every, every single time <laughs> we sit down to record this podcast there are more and more post-its but look i ripped the old ones out it's like i'm, I'm crazy <laughs> i'm just like <laughs> go away <laughs> um i just couldn't have all of them They're quite large there, there's a lot where was it description of mating systems okay so We've got monogamy. Let's start with that. Monogamy is when you have a single partner and it can be either sex. Uh, that can, you can be a monogamous 
gay person and a monogamous straight person and that's cool and then you have polygyny which is with one male and several females and then you have one female with several males that's polyandry and then a combination of both each sex mating and bonding with several partners is polygyandry cool that's the and so and the cool thing about turbo, turbo chooks is they can exhibit all of those okay uh, and so there's no one hard and fast rule no it's, it can be anything uh, which is really interesting and actually just like humans I know exactly I mean that's the thing oh that my so, god exactly so oh here's here's what I meant to say Tasmanian native hens describe as social polyg- polygamy with genetic monogamy which is what I said in a different way Okay, so they socially have lots of partners, but they have one they will stick with. Basically, regardless. genetically, so like one one male basically mate. So he will have many females, uh, and he'll be the dad of all of them, basically, uh, like effectively. Yeah, but yeah, um, but so I also want to mention quickly. Yeah, is that uh, mention this? <laughs> a lot of the references I'll have up today. Uh, by one person, Anne Goldstein, from the University of Queensland. Uh, and I almost did my honours project with her on kangaroos in Western Australia. And I didn't realise she was like a native hen, in, you know, a fashion, a fashionado, whatever that word I'm trying to say is. You know what I mean? A fashionado? A fashionido? No. There's a word I'm trying to say. I don't know what I know it is. what you mean. Yeah. But it's you all know as well. I'm looking into the <laughs> microphone like you're sitting there inside the microphone. It's when the microphone starts looking back at you. Yeah, it's like, Jesus. Worry. Don't ever put like googly eyes on And that's Night Vale was born. (laughs) Anyway, she's awesome. And I've got all these papers of hers. Uh, And she had this paper about mating patterns and looked at clutch size uh, in different the different mating structures they have. Uh, And polygyny actually resulted in more eggs being laid than if they were a monogamous bird or a polyandrous bird or a or a polygyandrous bird. So interesting that they had more more eggs that were successful, I should say. Not that they had more eggs, but more eggs hatched. Which well, makes sense, babies. really. Yeah. Because if you have more animals looking after, more individuals looking after your uh, eggs, eggs, you're going to be more successful. To, yeah. um, like our corvids. Yeah, like the corvids. Exactly, yeah, the corvids. Um, but yeah, so basically these birds, the, the, the turbo chooks, they live in these polyamorous groups with several mating several males mating with one female but only one male fathers the offspring um anyway that's kind of a bit of background on how they live how they work let's talk about their queerness yes please they are the thing is so this is this is what i found really interesting i think i want to talk about this more with the bison which is what we're talking about next week um or in an hour when we record this but (laughs) (laughs) but really only the males exhibit homosexuality um and it's not uh there's other birds in the rails the rail grouping the not like the flatness birds like more hens that have quite amazing like lesbian uh courtship rituals I'm not going to talk about that now. Okay, we could do a whole episode on that, but um, I am so here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they do like basically when a turbo chook wants to, uh, you know, be with a male, they do this thing called like preening, um, like aloe preening, where they prune each other. Mm. Um, it's not as intricate as other other rails that, uh, and that's mostly like females. They have like really intricate, like female female mating systems. Um, but yeah, so uh, so 
there are instances of female more hens, not more hens, female native hens, uh, having homosexual tendencies, but what a terrible word having like before, like being in a homosexual, like copulation, but mostly it's like 80-90% of the same sex interactions are with males cool um which is interesting um is that because the females are less inclined to or they have other things like sitting on eggs to be on it's hard to say right it's hard to like talk how to how to like say why I think that's like the whole maybe the whole problem with the literature on homosexuality is like trying to find a reason for this stuff and there but it's hard one. you can't really ask them right there probably is a reason imagine if you could yeah like the gay doctor do little oh my god i think it's our, it's our destiny though to be honest <laughs> if it's anybody it's gonna be us it's gonna be us um watch this space yeah we have things to say it, well i would love to ask them actually i would if i if okay if i asked if i had to, if i had three questions i could ask tasmanian native hen before they would stop being like verbal i would ask what the fuck is with that noise that's my one question and then they'd probably be like i don't know what they'd say but it would be on the lines of don't be judgmental they'd probably be like have you heard some of the noises you make yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then I'd be like, why can you run at 50 kilometers an hour? And then they'd probably be like, just because of our legs, mate. But that's kind of a bad question. But I, really wanna, I, I think I want to race one, so I'd ask if I could race it. So, <laughs> and then it had to be a consensual race. I think if it wasn't... Because sometimes when you're driving back down the, the dirt road to like the water ranger huts at night, you would accidentally race a turbo truck, but it'd be really fucking stressed. So I'd like to have a consensual race with a native hen you're fantastic <laughs> and then my third question would be why don't what are the females doing why are you why, why are you doing this and they'd probably be like well we're just gay as fuck so fuck off <laughs> um, so, today in bird psychology <laughs> so and the thing is as well so when the, so I mentioned before that these breeding the breeders when an animal becomes a breeder in its little group they will display homosexual behavior and heterosexual behavior and that's you know cool but then even the helpers who aren't reproductive or they're not receptive uh they also engage in homosexual behavior and heterosexual behavior but but often it's more homosexual when they're helper individuals cool but it's interesting that like even when they're not receptive and they're not breeders they do perform copulationary kind of things and they do perform like breeding rituals and like dances and the allopreening stuff um which hints that there's more to sex than just sex and i quite like that yeah that, that, <laughs> my, my follow-up question that there's always result in sexual activity no 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 because they're helpers it, they can't so they just yeah. it's just like it's it can, and that then, sounds lovely yeah right? it's like i mean people this whole hypothesis is, is it like playing is it like dominance and i'm gonna fucking debunk the fuck out of dominance in the bison episode just you wait for that <laughs> the dominance theory I'm gonna be I'm gonna become Mythbusters <laughs> I mean, what's the guy from Mythbusters Alan no Adam Adam Savage Adam Savage and what's the other guy Adam Savage he does YouTube videos now which is I know he's got a book out which I really yeah like. it's really cool yeah. Adam I'm Savage the other guy. who's the other guy with the crazy moustache I used to love Mythbusters actually Jamie Heineman. Jamie Heineman. Jamie Heineman. Oh, I forget that. I'm also reading here. This a lot of this is coming from. Obviously, I put the references up. I'm a bit late with those, but that's fine. A lot of this is from Biological Exuberance again by Bruce Bagamill, and then these papers by Anne Goldstein. But 
sometimes a female will divorce their mate, as in like they'll have a group divorce and the female will go and find another group. <laughs> I know. And then then the female will parent, sometimes parent chicks are even on her own genetically because That's she's nice. left her. I know. That's really nice. It's just like the thing is... So they're not evil stepmothers. Yeah. I think, again, it's not really, this is not really about them being like overly homosexual and they only ever mate with like only their same sex but I think it's a nice they're really interesting because they have such different like they have such a variety of different groupings mm. and I think and behaviours within those within groupings within and yeah and exactly and within the species it's not like you know I think like it's not like say bonobos are almost exclusively like in these massive sex orgies all the time these guys can range from like pair bonds to like you know, groups of 14 having mass group sex. Like, I kind of like I guess that. it's going to be really in, like, interesting individual relationships. Yeah, between that. that. Yeah. As well. So that's kind of uh, what I want to talk about today. And I think maybe, I don't know if you want to talk about your... I'm not in a relationship right now. Uh, so, ladies, I <laughs> use this as a platform to date people. <laughs> Hannah Gatsby, if you're single, no one knows if you're single, but I want to date you a little bit. <laughs> I know I'm 25 and you're 41 <laughs> when I release this episode <laughs> I don't let's oh, see what happens yeah. <laughs> um, please read my email I sent you last night <laughs> or this morning <laughs> very heartfelt um, but uh, maybe you want to talk about a bit about your own experience being um, in your like mating structure my mating structure <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't I, want to consider it a meeting structure. <laughs> well, you can go whatever you want, you know. Um, yeah, I, I'm just going to have to like consider how to phrase this, like so. Yeah, both my partners are comfortable with yeah. say. So I'm currently dating two people mm-hmm. who are absolutely wonderful, um, and I'm only in the sexual relationship with one of them. Mm-hmm. The other is an asexual relationship. Um, it's an asexual romantic relationship, and it involves a lot of like physical touch and physical mm. comfort, but nothing sexual. Yeah. Um, and my other partner also has a partner who also has a partner. So it's a bit no, like a yeah, very awesome. long molecule. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, the molecule, the polycule. Yeah, the polycule. And Would you call yourself polyamorous? Yes. Or, okay, yeah. I call myself polyamorous. Yeah. Um, and I like to define my, myself as polyamorous yeah. rather than my relationship as polyamorous, yeah. Because it's coming from me. Yeah. Um, Not from like the situation you found yourself in. It's like you yeah. sought out this or you've. I wonder, have you sought, did you sort Yeah, I sought it out. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was a very active choice. And I've, it's, it's a sort of thing that was very much, it felt very natural mm. from free feeling brain, but because yeah. I come from a very conservative mm. background, I was very, mm. it took me a really long time to accept that it was something that I could do mm-hmm. or could yeah. try. So this is the first time I've been in a polyamorous relationship. Well, but you're and also quite young. really well. I'm yeah. fucking young. I've got so much ahead of me. It's great. <laughs> yeah, awesome. it's, it's wonderful knowing that there's people I haven't met who I'm going to love, oh, whether romantically or not. Oh, that's so beautiful. It's just that really, it's like, that's one of the things that keeps me going, just yeah. knowing I'm going to love people I haven't met yet, whether oh, romantically or not. That's so nice. Which, yeah, I think it's really important. Just hearing so, about like other like animals in the animal kingdom having these like complex mating structures, does that make you feel validated? In Absolutely. Especially because I found it so hard to feel validated in the yeah. first place and get started. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it felt so unnatural. Yeah. Then to just learn more about how it is perfectly I've got, natural. I've got, I've got, I've got, 
song for you. <laughs> Let me be perfectly it. queer. Um, yeah, it's also one of the things that I'm really enjoying about being polyamorous is it's really intentional. Yeah. And I, for various reasons, center intentionality as part of what how I want to live my life. Yeah. And considering myself as part of these relationships yeah. means I need to have a relationship with myself. Yeah. yeah. And it's been really helpful for lots of introspection and being conscious in my choices. Yeah, that's so nice. Which has been great. It's been wonderful. Oh, that's so beautiful. Well, yeah. yeah. I think so th- th- yeah. those are my musings. That's so nice. <laughs> Your musings. <laughs> Hannah Gatter brought that up yesterday. <laughs> Show Douglas. <laughs> This is just a homage. Hannah gets me how much I love her. <laughs> no. What if you what if she hears this and is like, this creep is just stalking me? <laughs> but you're not, you're just admiring. Admiring, admiring. I'm admiring her great work. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That's great. Do you have any musings on like <sighs> the nature of polyamorous or monogamous relationships versus the animal kingdom? Yeah, I mean I am unsure if whether I am monogamous or polygamous. I have only ever really been in um, monogamous relationships, uh, but they've never really worked very well. I've often found them quite like, I think because I'm quite insane. <laughs> like I think, and it's not a reflection of polyamory as a thing. I think it's more a reflection of me as a person and that I think I get... I grew up uh, not knowing any kind of relationship to like work, polyamorous, monogamous, or otherwise. Like my mom and my father aren't together. Uh, my grandparents aren't together. I mean, my aunties and uncles, those who are together, are in monogamous relationships. Um, but my grandmother, who I doubt would listen to this, so I'm going to talk about this quite candidly, but you know to respect her privacy as well was in a polyamorous relationship when I was a kid and I so and I didn't think that was not normal I didn't think it was anything different to what everybody else was doing and it was only really when I became an adult that I was like oh this is actually not people don't always do this this Mm. is actually quite rare but you know for her it really made sense um and it made her feel really fulfilled um and you know what, actually, I want to shout out to my grandma if she ever listens to this. She came over recently and I was quite scared of telling her that I was gay. Uh, and we were at this really... Have I told you this story before? I think you have. We were at this really, <laughs> like, um, quite quaint Yorkshire pub. And I'd been meaning to tell her the whole trip we were together. And um, I was really nervous and I was trying to eat my like lasagna, my, my vegetarian lasagna at this little pub. And I was like sweating and she was, and I wasn't talking. And I know, I mean, you saw, I was like this afternoon when I get into a mindset, I just shut down. I become really cold and I'm, and I'm and not emotional and it's scary kind of for other people. And she was like, you're right. And I was like, I just screamed. I'm like, I'm gay. <laughs> In this little Yorkshire pub, everyone turned around and her face went bright red and my face went bright red. And then I walked away. I left the pub. <laughs> I was so embarrassed. And then, bless her little heart, she came back. I walked back to the cottage. We were living quite close. And she walked back and she was like, I was about uncomfortable. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> 
And I was like, I'm really sorry. And she's like, it's all right. And then we sat down, we talked for a couple of hours and she was like, you know what? I think if I was, when I, if I, you know, if I'd grown up at a different time and if I was younger now, I think I would also have been, you know, at least bisexual. And she was like, I just never got the chance to do that um, because she met my my grandfather quite like early in her life and they were they were quite in love for many years and then they weren't in love anymore um and then she found herself in a uh polyamorous relationship with a couple men um and that's just how her life worked and i think it was really valid that was more than the animal kingdom that was validating for me to to know that my grandma who was you know in this kind of quite in you know in, in gross to say it in gross terms modern relationship was also quite welcoming of who I yeah. am and has been the most vocally openly welcoming to me of anyone in my family and just never really questioned it and was really lovely about it and I really appreciated that um so that is how I kind of got in how I felt about about polyamory was with my grandma which sounds disgusting though actually I got into polyamory with my grandma <laughs> um, yeah, um, speaking of incest <laughs> I mean I'm not <laughs> I was about to say if next time anyone asks me I'm alright I'm just gonna go I'm gay yeah. <laughs> I'm gay I'm gay <laughs> what do you want from me I'm, I'm just gay, gay. <laughs> like my answer to everything like, are you busy yeah. i'm gay i can't do things man i'm struggling here <laughs> no being gay is a blessing yes it is blessing and a curse sometimes you know mostly a blessing yeah i also want to like just if i can riff on that topic a little bit more yeah yeah, um, yeah. had a conversation with somebody i'm really close to yeah just before we start recording yeah um i was told that they wouldn't respect my polyamory because it wouldn't last it's just a phase mm. and they weren't going to acknowledge it whilst it was there yeah and i really hope this can be a platform for various people who hold that sort of view to start thinking about it critically and yeah. have a place of reevaluation. yeah or consider where those views come from in the first place yeah like um, i think it would be nice to have like an open dialogue with people who who feel, feel those things yes absolutely and discuss like where does that fear come from uh, and you know what drives it? What like how do you maintain it? Mm. People just looking at it. We're so famous now, and people are like watching us through the window. Well, they're watching us with their fancy microphones. <laughs> I, I think to, that there needs to be a. They need to understand where we're coming from as much as we can understand where they're coming from, yeah. so we can have a critical oh, totally, conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And if you can't have that mutually open yeah. dialogue, it's really difficult. Yeah, I often find myself okay. I don't know. This is probably more a conversation for my therapist than this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> But um, uh, I often find myself thinking, and I'm working on this because I think it's quite toxic for me, coming from a small town in Tasmania, I think also going to see Hannah has brought up these feelings for me, is like, it was hard. Uh, and Tasmania, until the 19, I think it was 1997, homosexuality, homosexuality was criminalized. Jesus. And there's a nice quote from Hannah Gatsby. <laughs> that she said in a radio interview once about like I think she was 17 at the time when that happened and I was only like three or something so massive age gap probably won't work whatever but uh, <laughs> but she said that you know she was obviously you know she she was gay and and wasn't open about it but you know by the time she was 17 and homosexuality was just being decriminalized in her home state 
like the damage was already done, right? You know, if you grow up under that as a youth and as a child, that Mm -hmm. it's a crime and punishable by going to prison, you know, how can you undo those knots? It's really hard because they're massive, you know, it's and it's societal knots they've tied for you. And institutional knots. Yeah. But whilst it may not be criminalizable by prison there are going to be other oh yeah it's still i mean tasmania is... even if you say there aren't mm. biases there are yeah there are and i know my mum worries yeah. about me because i have colorful hair and tattoos oh yeah yeah I, and, and yeah. it's very much if there's somebody who wouldn't employ me because i have colorful hair yeah, and, and tattoos, tattoos that's yeah. somebody i wouldn't want to work, work for. with yeah, yeah exactly i think so the thing is with tassie i think it's like it's quite behind in that thing. It's trying really hard to be progressive and it's doing a good job, but you know, you can enforce things on a state level and a government level at some point and then but there's other you, you know, can't other force parts. people to change their minds. Yeah, know. without actually like gen- it has to be gentle, I think. It has to, and it has to be accept- accepting and welcoming of everyone, not yeah. just gay people, not just people who have different intersectionality. Intersectionality. Yeah, yeah. In- in- intersectionality or nothing. I think basically. my favorite quote from Extinction Rebellion is that change will be intersexual intersectional or will be bullshit and that's true if you can't if you can't target all demographics your change won't work um ironic that comes from extinction rebellion but (laughs) (laughs) well no i mean a lot of their work they do is fantastic they do it and they address like that stuff and they address it's just the nature of a small group becoming massive on a a Uh, massive time frame it always has these sorts of yeah and i think it's yeah, you can't force people to be a part of a movement either. It, no. It definitely ne- it needs to engage more people and it has its faults, but that's a whole different topic for discu- a discussion. Entirely agree with the inter- intersectionality. Mm. Yeah. Um, and so being from Tassie, I often like think like I'm quite... Like I want I do want to like blurt out people. I'm gay, and it means this. And sometimes I get vulnerable, and sometimes I get really stressed, and sometimes I feel like I'm not part of a thing. And and also I'm trans, and also I don't know what what else I am yet. And I want to blurt this out all the time because I I want people to know that sometimes my life is hard. But then again, everyone's life is hard. Yeah. So and for different reasons. Like I'm kind of an asshole sometimes. It's not because I'm gay. It's because. Like you're human. I'm human, but like yeah, I we, think should, we we can't put we ourselves should, on pedestals for our yeah, queerness. No, like we can't say oh, I yeah. can get away with no. X Y Z because yeah. I have my own hardships. Yeah, no, because everyone no. has exactly. So I'm working on that. That's my that's my own personal personal journey. But uh, yeah, I think um, yeah. Anyway, that's that's kind of. All I have, I think, for that was a really interesting episode. Thank you. I we we got really some like nice chunky discussion. I know it's fun. Yeah, oh, <laughs> I I love that we have the chance to do this. I know, me too. It's nice, relaxing it's... on my on my birthday, my fake birthday, your birthday, <laughs> my birthday. Um, Are you doing anything for your birthday? Ah, oh, this is the thing. I'm turning twenty five. Uh, and I'm a bit nervous about it. I used to love birthdays, and now I am a bit nervous about turning 25. I feel like I said yesterday in the pub. I was like, I feel like every day now is a step closer into the grave. <laughs> it's quite morbid. <laughs> it's not wrong. <laughs> I know. Um, and so, and I feel quite nostalgic for home because. Mm. Oh, of seeing Hannah yesterday. Have I mentioned I saw Hannah Gatsby yesterday? Wait, who? <laughs> um, and, uh, um, yeah, I don't, I think I'm going to go out for drinks with some people from work, but I don't really know. I don't really feel like celebra- I don't, I'm not in a celebratory mood. I feel quite melancholic about it all, and I feel like I'm missing home, and I'm missing... 
Yeah. Rather than celebrating, do you just want to take time to nourish what you need to nourish? Yeah, like washing up my plates. Not lean pesto. Are you at least taking vitamin tablets? Would you like me to recommend a really good vitamin D spray? I need some more B12 in my life, I think. Yeah, there's, I, I'm taking a um, vitamin D plus K2 at the moment. Oh, yeah, really nice. Good, yeah. Okay, yeah, I, I've, I've got some nice iron tablets at home. What a naff discussion. My iron tablets. <laughs> I'm going to cut this bit out. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, 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 I don't know. Well, I'll think about it. But anyway, maybe I'll, I'll think about it during the next podcast episode, which is going to be fucking mental. I can't wait. Um, yeah, that's kind of all I have for you today, Aim. Thank you. Um, I right. really enjoyed that. Good, I'm glad. Doing the work into... I, mean, I did it an hour ago, so... <laughs> you couldn't tell, could you? <laughs> no, I actually. <sighs> all right, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Perfectly Natural. Um, I've been Aim Phoenix. And I'm M. Dale, and I'm not going to do a shitty Australian thing. No, I am. Fucking... <laughs> no, it's coming on me. It's running so fast. Oh, Perfectly Natural was hosted by M. Dale and Aim Phoenix. Support the show by rating us on iTunes and telling your friends about us. Contact us on Twitter, where we're at perfnaturalcast, or email us at perfectly.natural.podcast at gmail.com. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da